Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, check it out. One of the best ways to unwind after a week of soul-crushing mayhem in politics is, of course, the After Party Podcast, presented exclusively on our Patreon page. It's a commercial-free 90-minute podcast. It's kind of like eavesdropping on an evening chat between me and my girlfriend, Kimberly Johnson. You know her from the Start Me Up podcast and the Stephanie Miller Show. It's far more personal than the free shows, by the way, with all kinds of revelations about our personal lives, but with all the latest political commentary in there, too. And you can still catch our three-episode series about the 1980s, again exclusively on our Patreon page. So don't miss out. Subscribe to the After Party level at patreon.com slash Show, and you're also going to get two Shadow Docket shows included in that level of support. Again, it's patreon.com slash Show, and now let the cartoons begin. <laughs> Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Bob Seska. You really are sick. The Bob Seska Show. Former nation's capital, it is Wednesday, February 14, 2024, and this is the Bob Seska interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 1,120 of the Biden-Harris administration, 266 days until the 24th presidential election. You can find me on threads and Instagram. The Bob Seska is my handle. Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go. And our Patreon is bobseskashow.com. It is Donna Halper Day again on the podcast. And for those of you just joining us, Donna is a regular on the Wednesday show. She's also a media historian, a baseball historian, a broadcasting historian, as well as the radio DJ who 50 years ago was the first American broadcaster to play a Rush song on the radio thus introducing my favorite band to the United States. So stick around for this one. Meantime, don't forget to support this podcast by subscribing to us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Bob Seska Show. Okay, here's me and the great Donna Halper. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. Happy birthday, Donna Halper. How's that? That's Aww. that's as close as I get Aww. to actually saying it. Hey, look, I, I hope your plans today Aww. at least include ice cream. Please tell me you're going to have lots of ice cream today. Um, Excuse me. There is a rule about birthdays, okay? And, like, this is in the Bible, in the book of birthdays, okay? And, and, and the Lord said, thou shalt have birthday cake and ice cream. And even <laughs> though it be February, thou must yeah. have ice cream. So, yes, I, I am planning to have birthday cake and ice cream. 
Well, again, happy birthday. It's so exciting to have you here. I'm so glad that uh, you're taking time out from your celebrating. I'm just delighted to be able to spend Valentine's Day with a handsome guy like you. I mean, come on. (laughs) You know, you sent me a DM earlier today that cracked me up. You said, looking forward to talking with you about a matter of grave importance. I hear that Joe Biden is old. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I mean, I was like, who knew? Do people know this? Is anyone, I mean, people are saying, but is anyone talking about this? I I just, what if people find out that he's old? I know. I I mean, the other guy is a fascist who wants a dictatorship, but Mm. Joe Biden is old. Yeah, yeah. Why does he keep concealing it, Donna? He's the guy that's in favor of democracy, you know? Pardon me. Why does he keep hiding it? Why does he keep disguising himself as a much, much younger person? I don't understand the deception. (laughs) This is very relevant to me, okay? I am not Joe Biden, nor do I play Joe Biden on TV, okay? But today, I am 77. Mm-hmm. Now, I think I'm still adorable, okay? You are, I, I absolutely. think I am still young and cute, okay? Yeah. But even if I weren't, uh, Renee Graham in the Boston Globe, she's a columnist for the Boston Globe, and she said something to the effect of the freak out over Biden's age says more about us than it does about him. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Why are we uncomfortable with the fact that Joe Biden is aging? So, okay, whether the guy were the president or not, we are very uncomfortable about age in Mm. our culture. Okay. Look at the fact that I just said a very controversial thing. What did I just say? I said, I'm 77 today. Now, in a society where women are supposed to lie about their age, Mm -hmm. honey, it's 2024 last time I checked. Uh, This ain't the 1950s. Why am I supposed to lie about my age? Oh, because I'm not supposed to admit that I'm getting older. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, Jacques, you're getting older. You know? Well, yeah. Um, and and he, was, he was old when he ran the first time. He was oh, old God, in 2019 guy, and 2020. Not only is he a bad public speaker, okay? I mean, give me a few minutes with him. I teach public speaking. I can mm. probably help. But even if I couldn't, the guy was never a good public speaker no. years ago, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, people had this myth that, oh, yes, when he was young, Nope, nope. He was a gaff machine 50 years ago. He's a gaff machine today. Yep. But the reality is today we know one factor is he has a stutter. So it's hard for him to say certain words. Mm -hmm. So what? Yeah, yeah. So what? Well, and plus, Donna, he, I think, uh, takes on this role as being the consoler in chief. I think one of the things he does is he deliberately speaks person to person. So he he takes on a quieter tone of voice. He can yell among the best of them. But when it comes to the quieter settings, he takes on that more whispery tone. And that, I think, gets translated into he's too old. He's a retail politician. Bobby, he's the old school retail politician. Mm -hmm. He likes to shake the hands and kiss the babies and do all that other stuff. Unfortunately... The world has turned into spectacle. Yeah. The the Donald Trump style. 
Okay, the say the outrageous things, the Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, don't govern. Don't do anything that makes people's lives better. But give people spectacle. Give mm. them bread and circuses. Yeah. Okay? Joe Biden doesn't come from that world. Mm -hmm. Okay? Nor does Bernie Sanders, nor do any of the others of that generation. They come from a world where... You got into public service because you wanted to try to do things to make people's lives better. Right. Now, I'm not stupid. I'm not quite as dumb as I seem. I understand that some politicians, sure, they get into it to help people. And if they can do some things for themselves, terrific. But it's not either or. Mm -hmm. It's I'm very clear that Bernie Sanders lives a much better life as a politician than he would have lived as, you know, some guy teaching in Vermont. No offense to Vermont, it's a lovely state. But the fact that he's a politician, he gets to go to nice hotels, he gets flown all over the country, this, that. And I don't begrudge any politician that. They can't necessarily go on the average airline because there's crazies out there in the world. Mm -hmm. Some people really do need a private jet. And I'm not saying Bernie goes on a private jet. I'm just saying I understand that some politicians, particularly the ones that are controversial, they might need that extra layer of security. But beyond that, can you honestly say that Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden, for that matter, or Mitt Romney, for that matter, have only aggrandized themselves and done nothing for people. Yeah. That isn't true. They have done a lot for the people who are their constituents. Now, mm -hmm. can you say that about Donald Trump? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, nope. Uh, uh. Absolutely not. He's in it for the spectacle. He's in it for the vengeance. He's, mm -hmm. When people show you who they are, believe them. That's right. If he says, I am your retribution, I, I think he's telling us something, okay? Mm -hmm. But here's something that I don't understand, and maybe you can explain it. And people have been writing about this. Some very thoughtful people have been writing about this. So I want your opinion on this, okay? Joe Biden is what, 81? 81, yeah. Donald Trump ain't that much younger. Of he ain't not. no spring chicken. Mm -hmm. He's what, 70s? Oh, he's my age. Okay. Now, why are people huffing and puffing about Joe Biden's age and not huffing and puffing about Donald Trump's, who isn't that much younger and who does make gaffes, confuse people's names, Nikki Haley versus Nancy Pelosi. Mm -hmm. Hello. Yep. Okay. He confuses names all the time. He makes gaffes all the time. He says stuff that you sit there and you go, what did he just say? And yet I don't see all the anguished headlines, except maybe from the Lincoln Project, mm -hmm. about, oh, Donald Trump isn't well. There's something wrong with the way he speaks. Why is it that people are all over Joe Biden like a cheap suit, no matter what mistake he makes, and they're usually pretty tiny, Yeah. versus some of the stuff that Donald Trump says, like letting Putin attack our allies in Europe? I mean, what? Oh, and I don't see front page headlines. Yeah, in so fact, you know I'm what, missing. Donna, I was going to ask you the exact same thing. It seems like one or two negatives about Joe Biden get amplified 
to the same level of coverage as hundreds of daily Trump things. I don't understand why that happens. I mean, obviously, we know that the press needs to come off as being fair and balanced or however they frame themselves. But it seems like amplified compensating. Yeah, yeah. Overcompensating. It's like one of these things is not like the other. Mm -hmm. One makes gaffes. One's a fascist. Um, Okay, they're not similar. Mm -hmm. So, you know, or, or the story that I am puzzled that it didn't get more traction, how under Trump, the White House was like a pill mill. You yeah. had the, you know, Ronnie Jackson, the White House physician, handing out pills like they were candy. Yeah. I would have thought, and there was a very reputable investigative report on this, nothing, nothing. Donna, Can you is... imagine if that had been in the Biden White House? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Is this a press thing, or is this Donald Trump seizing upon the press's inability to cover a thousand different things? Is this more about the way Donald Trump handles his media strategy, or is this malpractice on behalf of professional journalists and publications? I'm not Can sure which both? it is. Maybe Can both? Be both? Yeah. Possibly. Because I truly do not think, and I mean this sincerely, and I also mean it kindly, because there are some very good reporters out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Steve Bannon was right when he said, you know, we've got to flood the zone with yes. crap, except yeah. he didn't say crap. <laughs> right, um, right. But he said flood the zone. And there is so much coming at reporters, most of whom were trained in the old school style of, you know, first you quote this person, then you quote that person, Mm -hmm. then you get five people to comment on what these quotes meant, then you go to a diner and you talk to a guy in a diner and you see what he thinks about what it meant and etc. And that style may have worked years ago, but when people are just throwing so much bizarre stuff at you. I think the media feel like they need to just like seize on one thing, report on that, then find something that maybe Biden did that was similar, and then just say, see, we did our work. And as a media historian, I'm saying, you're right. You did your work 20 years ago. That's absolutely how you covered stuff 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. But you are now covering a showman. You're covering a grifter. You're covering someone who knows how to manipulate you and who does it every day and who has spawned a whole bunch of other politicians who know how to manipulate you every day. And if you focus in on one bizarre thing they said, you're missing the other hundred bizarre things that they said and i think at a certain point the media just get overwhelmed and decide well we'll just leave this to the partisans we'll Mm. let msnbc worry about this except msnbc is one corporate network i love them i love rachel maddow lawrence and chris hayes and you know jen suck nice people Mm -hmm. but they're one group of people who are on one hour at a time yeah. in one time period. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, 70 more crazy things have just been said, and which one do you cover? So in that regard, Bobby, you're right. Trump is very masterful at keeping the media so off balance that they don't know what to cover. Yeah.
it seems like a long time for them to still be figuring it out don't you think like and that's what worries me yeah this is not 2016 Mm -hmm. you guys have had how many years to figure out how to cover him and you're still off balance it's just bizarre do do they not when i saw the report yeah from mr her i said to myself ah a butter email strategy okay <laughs> so things are looking bad for your candidate so what do you do mm-hmm. you find something and you have some partisan say it and then you know the media will immediately run and cover it i counted 10 front page stories about joe biden's age and i said to myself i wonder how many of the reporters actually read the report yeah how many of them like sat down and read what the guy said beyond the gratuitous partisan swipes from someone who was appointed by donald trump Mm -hmm. and i'm not trying to do that thing where oh he's an obama judge i'm not talking about that at all i'm saying there was no reason for this prosecutor to get into whether Joe Biden is Einstein or whether he isn't Einstein. This prosecutor is not qualified to make that judgment, nor should he have made that judgment. And that stuff should have been either eliminated or redacted. But instead, that's what the media decided to focus on. See, every story needs what is called a news peg. Mm-hmm. You know this. Oh yeah. So what are we going to focus on? Oh, let's not focus on a 300 and something or a 700 and something page report, which we didn't read. Let's find something that, you know, and boom, Biden's old. It's an elderly gentleman who's forgetful. Yeah. Now, maybe I'm nuts. And if I am, I'm sure people will tell me. But I can't believe that he didn't remember when his son died. Mm -hmm. Come on. He wears a rosary around his wrist. He talks about his son's death on a regular basis. I I just, I'm like, this looks suspicious to Mm -hmm. me. This looks like a partisan hit job. And I hope the media will see it as such. Oh, wait, it's front page news. Now, where have I seen this before? Bob Barr saying that, oh, yeah, the uh, the, the Mueller report completely exonerated Mr. Trump. Mm -hmm. And uh, okay, front page, Trump exonerated. Or Hillary's emails. Oh, my God, all these emails at front page. So yeah after 2016 you'd think people would figure it out you know fool me once etc oh yeah yeah so a story like donald trump over the weekend saying that he would encourage a russian invasion of europe that news story comes down and like you i checked the front pages of new york times and the washington post the day after that story broke And I saw next to nothing on those front pages. Seems to me as if that would be a screamer headline with an exclamation mark in like 50 point type at the top of a page. Bobby, Bobby, Joe Biden's old. (laughs) Yes. Joe Biden's old. Okay. I mean, is there. The man is old. But is there something I'm missing about that particular story, that quote from Donald Trump, that maybe forces it to not be as big a story as I think it is? I don't understand. I feel like I'm being gaslit by the press. Yeah. If it were me. And of course it wasn't. But if it were me, I would have, first of all, explained about 
how NATO pay their bills mm -hmm. and what it means to promise 2% of your GDP to defense spending. Right. And it has nothing to do with paying dues or anything like that. And for Donald Trump to say, you got to pay your bills. Uh, after I got done rolling on the floor laughing, yeah. I said, hmm, I know contractors that worked for him that have never been paid. Do you think E. Jean Carroll is going to see dime one of the judgment that she just got against him? Do you think any of the people to whom he owes money are ever going to see that money? But rhetorically, he gets up there and he's like, you know, but you gotta pay your bills. Um, yeah, that would be very nice if people did pay their bills. But this wasn't about bills. No. This was about a promise that we made to our allies. We will be there for you and you will be there for us. After 9-11, every single one of our allies was ready to come in and help us out. Should we not do the same? So I was very mystified. I think it's gotten to the point for many newsrooms where they're just kind of, oh, that's just another thing he said. And, you know, that's just Trump being Trump and, you know, this and that. Uh, I think we ignore that mm -hmm. at our peril. It yeah. may have started off as a character he was playing, you know, the whole apprentice thing like you're fired. Yeah. All right. But he now inhabits that character. He has become that character. Mm. I am not trying to psychoanalyze. I'm saying just watching his performance in his speeches and this and that. He has become the God King that his followers expect him to be. And he likes it. And he enjoys it. And we cannot ignore it. And we should not empower it. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine Kristen Welker at Meet the Press not taking a statement like Trump's seriously. But I think Vladimir Putin took it plenty seriously. Oh, I think hello. Vladimir Putin was listening well, yes, to every word of that. Oh, hey, yes, yeah. he did. You know what mystifies me, mm -hmm. among many things? I'm old enough to remember when the Republicans believed that Russia was the, how shall we say this, evil empire. <laughs> now, I got nothing against Russians. Half of my family emigrated from Russia, okay? Yeah. There was tremendous persecution in Russia. They, they booked, they headed for the States. But this is not about, do you hate Russia? I do not. But I really don't like us supporting a murderous dictator. And when somebody like Tommy Tuberville, oy, when somebody like Tommy Tuberville or other Republicans get up and spout off Russian propaganda about Ukraine or this or that, and you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, that sound you hear is Ronald Reagan doing backflips in yeah. his grave. He ain't yeah. just spinning, he's like rotating, okay? <laughs> the guy can't get any rest. Uh -huh. What happened? When did we go from being strong on defense as a Republican Party? Now, I was always center left, but sometimes I could vote for moderate Republicans. Mm -hmm. That was fine with me. I was very willing to do it if they were the best candidate. But I'm looking at this cast of characters. And again, I'm sitting there going, these folks are pro-Putin. 
when did that ever happen? Yeah. I'm, I'm just mystified by it. What mm-hmm. am I missing? Well, it's not only pro-Putin, but just going back to the Donald Trump-NATO thing, that's directly a Russian talking point. Absolutely. This is not something well, that Tucker Donald Trump Carlson, invented. This Tucker is... Carlson interviewing him and sitting yeah. there and accepting his claim that it was actually Poland's fault that we had World War II. I mean, Hitler was just sitting there <laughs> oh, reading God. the Bible, and Poland forced him to... Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And but there's no pushback. None. Yeah. No pushback at all. Yeah. Um, during Joe Biden's press conference the other night, after the Robert Hur report dropped yeah. and the allegations that were made in that, the very political, uh, unprofessional allegations made against Joe Biden. Um, he called out the news media for reporting what they themselves believe and framing that as, quote unquote, people are saying. This yeah. is something that we've seen from Fox News for a long time, but it's now bleeding into the mainstream press where if they observe something and they make their they form their own opinion about it, some reporter in the White House press corps, they always frame it as, well, other people are saying this. I'm not saying this, but other people are. And Joe Biden's I went like, to a diner. Yeah. I talked to a guy in a diner and he said. Yeah. yeah. Why do they do that? Uh, why do they so transparently disguise their own opinion as being what people are saying, quote unquote? Well, in fairness to the press, travel okay. budgets have really been cut. Okay. okay? So, I, and I'm not being sarcastic. I mean, All a right. lot of newsrooms are a shadow of their former selves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. At true. the local level, there's a lot more skepticism about some of this stuff. But I think at the national level, you've got people in the press corps that have been in the same room with the same people for so long that it almost kind of, it's like everybody repeats what the common wisdom is. Look at the special election last night in New York, okay? Uh, the one that uh, Tom Swasey won, yes. taking away the George Santos seat, mm-hmm. okay? By a lot, um, yeah. Now, the common wisdom was that that was gonna be a lot closer because the common wisdom was that immigration was such a big issue that no Democrat could win because this, because that. Mm-hmm. And Tom Swasey won handily. Now, I've got a bunch of theories about why he won, but that's not my point. My point is, if you listened to the common wisdom, you would have been like, oh, my God, this is going to be a nail biter. And it's going to say a lot about what people think of Biden. No, it isn't. It's not going to say a lot about what people think of Biden at all. It's going to say a lot about what they thought about Swazi versus the the opponent, Miss Pillip. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the reality is they liked Swazi. They knew him. He was a very good campaigner. He ran an excellent old school retail politics, lots of door knocking, lots of meeting people. His opponent barely went out at all. She made a few appearances from what I've read, not a whole lot. People are very old school in the local markets. They like to meet the candidates. I met Elizabeth Warren. I was glad I did. And I'm saying that as just a voter. Okay, it's like, oh my God, I was downtown and there was an event for Elizabeth Warren and she was there. She wasn't up on some podium. She was actually like shaking hands with voters. And that's what Swazi did a lot of. Mm -hmm. And he talked to people and he made the immigration issue his, as in 
we will pass bipartisan legislation because research shows people like bipartisanship. They really do. Yeah. And the crew in Washington that are huffing and puffing about, I'll never compromise and I'll never do such and such. That's great for getting on Fox News. But in the real world, people really do want to see government get something done. And Swazi was perceived, Swazi, as, as a person who could get something done. Done. Right. But boy, howdy, that wasn't the common will. Well, the people that were saying, I, I'm sorry, it, sometimes it isn't accurate to just count on what people are saying. It mm -hmm. depends on the people you're talking to. And sometimes polls can be wrong. Yeah. And sometimes you got to just get out there and talk to as many people as you can. But yes, it is true. And you and I both know this from having been in broadcasting. There are people that you just don't like. Mm-hmm. There are people that are just lots of fun to be around, and there are other people that are like, oh, my God, I've got to go cover this person. Ew. Okay? And if you're a professional, you put your ew aside, and you just go cover them. As I train my student journalists, I always tell them, I should not know from reading your story whether you liked this person, hated this person, wanted to marry this person. Shouldn't know. Okay? But unfortunately... Some people just don't like certain folks, mm -hmm. and it shows in the kind of coverage they give them, and yeah. that's a shame. Along those lines, do you think if a reporter in the White House press corps observed Joe Biden having maybe some sort of cognitive moment where he's just doesn't know where like he Mitch is. McConnell. He's, like he's Mitch lost. McConnell. Ex ex like Mitch McConnell. <laughs> exactly. Like Mitch McConnell. That's such a great uh, comparison. Do you think that would have been like front page news throughout the, an entire like three week news cycle, like this extended news cycle? Joe Biden is cognitively impaired because this happened in the White House and we observed it and a couple of Can other I reporters saw it. a suggestion? You know what everybody's mad about? What's that? They're mad about the fact that Joe doesn't do press conferences. Oh, right. They're mad because he doesn't give them more access. Mm-hmm. They really are. I mean, you know, you, that thing you see online, the meme, you mad, bro? Yeah, they're, they're mad, <laughs> yeah. bro. Yeah. They're, uh, they're not happy. Every political reporter that I've ever met, and I've met quite a few, mm -hmm. they all don't think that the candidate is giving them enough time. Yeah. And, you know, how come we don't have a press conference every week? And Biden's people, rightly or wrongly, are nervous about having him do press conferences. A, because he's always gone off on tangents. Mm -hmm. B, because he's such a bad public speaker in a television and visual age. If yeah. this were, you know, 30, 40 years ago, it wouldn't matter. But it's today, it's YouTube, it's Twitter, it's TikTok, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think his people are like, ooh, we better just minimize the amount of crazy things that he could say without meaning it. And I don't mean crazy as in mental. I mean, he just, he riffs. He, yeah. he just gets off on a tangent sometimes. And, you know, that's been him for all the days of his life. 
So I think his people are being overly cautious, but I understand why they're doing it. And that puts them in tension with the press corps who feel like he's not talking to them enough. Mm -hmm. I get the sense that if there was some sort of thing that happened in the White House where it was clear that Joe Biden is in some sort of decline, that it would absolutely get reported. There, there is no two ways about it. This press corps. But look what happened yeah. with McConnell. Yeah. Gone. Okay, they reported on it for like a couple of days, mm -hmm. and you haven't seen anything about it since. Right. Do we know if he was in the hospital? Do we know if he went to the doctor? Do we know if he's feeling better? We don't know anything. Nope. The one person who was really public about their health, God bless him, was John Fetterman. Mm -hmm. Okay, and John Fetterman did something that I think is a public service. He let people know about depression. He let people know there's no disgrace about getting health, uh, getting help for it. And he let people know that because he had a stroke, he has to use an adaptive device. Mm -hmm. And the media huffed and puffed for a couple of days. But now it's like, yep, he uses an adaptive device. So do deaf people. Yeah. So what? And it moved along. Yeah. But boy, howdy, McConnell's health was like a one-day story. I, it, Biden, <laughs> right. we'd still be reporting about it. We'd yeah. We'd still be reporting about it. I, I thought... Oh, by the way, I read something today. Yeah. And forgive me if I'm interrupting oh, you. Oh, it's okay. I'm a horrible nope. Person. You're floor. I am just a horrible person. <laughs> um, no, but I'm, but I'm your horrible person. <laughs> okay? And because it's my birthday, I can be a horrible person. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I read something, I read a theory about why Mayorkas got impeached, and it was a theory I haven't seen before. May I sure. mention it? Please. It's from a reporter that I respect. Mm -hmm. um, I was reading JTA, and JTA is the Jewish Telegraphic Association. They've been around for a hundred and something years. They were really, really good service. Mm -hmm. And they were positing that one of the reasons Alejandro Mayorkas got impeached was not just, you know, the border and this and that, but because of something called the Great Replacement Theory, that oh. there are so many people in the Republican Party right now who have adopted that, you know, Jews will not replace us theory, the theory about the member that they were chanting at, Char at Charlottesville, you know, Jews will not replace us, yep. you will not replace us, you meaning Democrats. Tucker Carlson and many others have mainstreamed this theory that Democrats are allowing illegals to stream into the country so that they can be allowed to vote illegally and win elections for Democrats. It's a I wonder, yeah. and so did the folks at JTA because they listened to some of the rhetoric around Mayorkas, who is Jewish. Mm -hmm. He has a Hispanic name because his people are, I believe, Cuban refugees, but Alejandro Mayorkas is Jewish. And I wonder how much of the push to impeach him came from far-right legislators who believed that he was an agent of the Great Replacement Theory. Wow. Yeah. That's a really insightful observation and wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. So, and uh, meanwhile, they're down. They're getting down on him. First of all, he didn't do anything that was high crimes or misdemeanors, no. which used to be the standard for yeah. impeaching someone. Doesn't the Constitution say something like that? Of course it does. So, hey, you know, silly me. <laughs> I just looked at the Constitution, but what do I know? <laughs> so, you know, the thing is, 
that Mr. Johnson, the speaker, said that, like, well, he refuses to do anything, and that's why we had to... He refuses to do anything. You just turned down a bipartisan immigration border security bill, bipartisan, negotiated by the Senate. You just turned it down. And who was one of the people who was helping to negotiate it? Mayorkas. So on the one hand, you're impeaching him because he's not doing anything. But on the other hand, when he does something, you're just like, oh, no, he's not doing anything. What? Yeah. And you turned down this really strong border security bill because Donald Trump told you to. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, short break. Back with more Donna Halper after this. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Did you ever think you would live to see fascism blowing in the wind as it is today in the United States? I never thought I'd live to see Vladimir Putin valorized and idealized yeah. by people. I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm blown away. Oh, yeah. And if, and the other day, right there in your home state, neo-Nazis swarmed the Massachusetts yeah. governor's home. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as a Jewish woman, will you fear for your life if Trump wins again? I mean, is that something um, that you thought about? I think personally that everyone who is any kind of a minority mm -hmm. should be very, very worried because we are, we as Jewish people, we're the canary in the coal mine. Historically, how people have treated us, you're next, yeah. okay? Yeah. So that's why I love religious tolerance, okay? I do not care what religion you are. 
I don't. I genuinely don't, as long as you're not imposing it on me. Mm -hmm. If you are happy with the religion you have, or with no religion for that matter, let a thousand flowers bloom. I have said on more than one occasion that one of the things I loved about Rush, and I had never met them when I first played their record, so this Mm -hmm. is not like, oh, I always knew they were like this. I never knew they were like this. It was a pleasant surprise, okay? One of the things about Rush that I always liked, and for those that are new to us, we are not referring to Limbaugh. We're referring to the rock band, okay? Uh, not the bloviating talk show host. We're referring to the very excellent. The only host. Rush, as far as yes, I'm concerned. the yeah. best. Yeah. But when I met Rush, and they are famously non-religious, mm-hmm. okay? And I used to be a chaplain, all right? Now, I, again, I never impose my beliefs on anyone. But they never imposed theirs on me. Right. They didn't do the, well, you know, it's perfectly obvious because you still believe in God. I mean, come on, you know. Never. Not even once. Mm. They were fine about what I believe. And I'm fine about what they believe. And isn't that the way it ought to be? Yeah. I don't have yeah. any problem with any other religion. Mm-hmm. But I do have a problem with rhetoric that leads to persecution or that leads to demonization. And yeah, yeah, you betcha. If we promote the kind of language and the kind of ideology that we're seeing from the Trump supporters and from him himself, he didn't start the fire, but Mm -hmm. he's certainly keeping it burning. He is not the one who made the country prejudiced. It was already prejudiced. Don't tell a soul. (laughs) Keep it under your hat. But (laughs) the thing is, we were able to work together. We were able to coexist peacefully. But if you have a leader, and I don't care what country you're in, if you have a leader who elevates one group, whether it's Christian nationalists or Buddhists or Hindus or whoever, and demonizes everyone who isn't that thing, they're coming for you next. And that's what makes me really, really nervous. Mm-hmm. Me too. And I'm glad you brought up Rush, by the way, because I finally read Getty's book, My and Life, which was outstanding, not just as a Rush fan, but I think as something that non-Rush fans would also appreciate, Absolutely. especially the chapter about his family's experiences during the Absolutely. Holocaust. And, and even yeah. though he is famously non-religious, mm-hmm. he's very worried about the rise in anti-Semitism today yeah. Yeah. because he identifies with what was done to his mother Mm -hmm. and what was done to his father and to his relatives. And let me say again, I'm fine about people that disagree with the government of Israel. I'm one of them, okay? But as a Jew, I didn't do it. Mm -hmm. When you start in on the Jews, you just lost me, okay? You just lost me. So, I mean, if the president of the United States is Christian and he does something I don't like, it ain't about the Christians. It's about him. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to get back to treating people as individuals. The thing that really, you know, when I read My and Life, yeah, there were some things in there I knew. And as I said to you before, there were some things in there I never knew. Yeah, me neither. And that was fine, too. I didn't know about the drug use. I, Given the times that we were all living in, and given that I am 
famously not, you know, I, I'm not in that scene. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I got into rock and roll radio for the music, mm-hmm. not for the lifestyle. Wow. But again, the guys never imposed any of that on me. They never even did it around me mm-hmm. as out of respect for who I am or for our relationship. When I was backstage with them, never saw anything. And it's not because I wasn't looking. It's because it wasn't there. Okay. They had fruit. They had juice. They had cookies. They had coffee. They had anything I could ever possibly want to eat. And they just kept the drug use somewhere else. And you want to know something. They were never really in that scene very much either. Yes. As young guys with money, they experimented around a little bit. So did a lot of people. Mm -hmm. But basically as human beings, family men, okay? So I respect the fact that Donald Trump doesn't drink. I respect the fact that Joe Biden doesn't drink. And I respect the fact that both of them don't impose it on anyone. When they go to an event, they just like to have something non-alcoholic for themselves and what other people do is up to them. Mm -hmm. So in that area, I can give them their proper respect. But wouldn't it be nice if in other areas, like politics, for example, we could disagree without it deteriorating into me insulting your ethnic group, or you're insulting my ethnic group, or, you know, I'm going to have retribution against your state because you didn't vote for me. Remember during COVID how, you know, Mr. Trump wanted to, like, have the whatever vaccine was available be distributed in the red states, okay? You know, any aid during COVID for the red states. That's one thing I like about Joe Biden. Mm -hmm. And I know not everyone does, but Biden's an old fashioned politician. He believes that he is the president of, wait for it, the United States. And that if there is a crisis, he should help everyone. Many of the projects for bridges and roads from the American Rescue Plan and various other of the things that he did for infrastructure went to red states. Mm -hmm. Now, I agree. Nobody in those states appreciates him. And all of the politicians who voted against it are now claiming that, yeah, they were for it. And they're going in and taking the credit. Biden doesn't care. Biden still feels like his job is to help everyone. Mm-hmm. Will that redound to his benefit? Probably not. Not in the world we're living in. Yeah. But he feels like he should do the right thing. And that's how the guys in Rush always were. They always felt like they should try to do the right thing. They were family men. They cared about society. They cared about charity. Yeah. They just didn't make a big deal about it. They didn't want some building named after them. Mm-hmm. They gave charity all along but very quietly, very behind the scenes. And isn't that the way it ought to be? Yeah, yeah. And for the people who aren't familiar with uh, Getty Lee's past, his parents met in Auschwitz. Yep. I mean, that is an astonishing story. They survived it. And thank God they did, because then we get Getty Lee, then we get Rush, then we get this wonderful music. And not just wonderful music, but 
an inspiring group of three people who yep. just exude integrity. I think that's one of the, the big takeaways I had also with the book yep. is and just reinforcing that integrity. Very thought-provoking. His, yep. the, their lyrics are something that to this day, mm-hmm. you can think about them, you can interpret them. Yep. There are many different ways to look at them. That's why it is so fascinating to me that Rush have fans who are lefties, centrists, righties, atheists, religious people. I mean, all Mm. different people of all different kinds. And that's very inspiring to me because in a culture that is so polarized, Mm. it's nice to know there's a few things that span the gamut and we can all agree on them. We can all agree about what a wonderful show you have and what a privilege it is to be <laughs> Well, some of us it. can agree about that. Like, I can agree with that. I'm not sure if our listeners can, but yeah. Um, but I think one of the reasons why Getty included that chapter in the book was yes. mainly because people are forgetting. And we're seeing that forgetfulness of what happened in the Holocaust manifesting itself in this increased support for fascist regimes, dictatorship, uh, otherizing groups of people like Jews, like people of color, et cetera. That seems to be rising up. And so that's why. Yeah. I wear a Jewish star on a pretty regular basis. I have them color coordinated so that they go with whatever I'm wearing. But it wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. When I had a principal at a school say to me after an anti-Semitic event was done to me that I shouldn't act too Jewish and that I wow. should maybe like not wear a Jewish star, you know, because it just like offends people. I'm like, oh, OK, so when people Jeez. talk to me about the good old days, I'm like, yeah, I don't think they were good. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I suppose if you were in the dominant ideology, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't have liked you because your last name is kind of Italian. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. Well, I can tell you a story people. about that. When I went to work at uh, a radio station, B104 in Allentown, the program director pulled me aside on my first day and said, your name is a little too ethnic for the Allentown, mm. Pennsylvania marketplace. Can you think of a fake name to use on the radio? And on the spot, I couldn't think of one right away. And he came up with this awful thing. He wanted me to call myself Stretch Cunningham. Oh. And who was Archie Bunker's pal from the loading docks Uh. on All in the Family. And because that used to to be a custom, by the way, there used to be this belief that your name had to sound white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Yes. Because otherwise it would evidently offend the tender little feelings of some of the listeners. Mm -hmm. And here in Boston, we had a DJ named Arnie Ginsberg, okay? Mm-hmm. And Arnie was not religious, but like Getty Lee, he was very proud of who he was. Yeah. And when they told him he needed to change his name to like, you know, John Smith or Jeff Jones or something like that, he was like, nah, my name's Arnie Ginsberg. Yeah. And one of the things that I always loved about him, he was my favorite DJ for many reasons, but he was one of the only ones that didn't have a name like John Jones or Jack <laughs> Smith. He was like, no, Arnie Ginsberg, that is my name, and that's what he used on the air. But in general, yeah, this was a an era where you were not supposed to have an ethnic name. <laughs> and if right. you were female, you were only supposed to use your first name and hmm. sound sexy. 
No, no, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know it was a first name thing, right? Oh, God, wow, it's yes. crazy. Oh, yeah, I was told I could only be Donna on the radio. Really? Just, just so you went by Donna on the air? You didn't use your last name at all? Nope. I was told not to do it. Oh my now, God. there were a couple of stations where I was Donna Helper, but in general, I was Donna. Because wow. people were so, like the ideal listener was a guy who was fantasizing. I, you know, I guess mm -hmm. if they saw me, they'd be so disappointed because I ain't gorgeous. I mean, I might be kind of cute for my age, but I ain't gorgeous. <laughs> um, so oh, like, but I was supposed to create myself like I was mm -hmm. just yeah. so that guys could like feel good about listening to a female DJ, mm -hmm. I guess. So, oh, the good old days. The yeah. good old. But by the way, did I tell you Biden's old? Oh Biden yeah, that's right. Old. I God, I forgot Biden for a second old. there. I completely old. forgot that he was old. And you know, um, just a couple of months ago, we lost uh, Jim Ladd, who uh, is yes. one of the great the FM radio DJ. DJs. The yeah, the last DJ. DJ. Uh, talk about for just a second his impact on broadcasting and and what he kind of brought to the table as a media historian. Uh, you have to appreciate the innovations that he made in presenting someone on the air, someone who could connect uh, a news event with a soundbite, with a song, and create these freeform uh, stretches of music that always uh, were inspired and interesting to listen to. Once upon a pond in a kingdom far away, <laughs> in the 1960s, Yeah when the album rock format developed. Mm -hmm. And it was not called album rock at that time. It was called either progressive rock or underground rock. Yeah. I know, said Donna, because I was there. <laughs> Did you hear? I'm old, um, <laughs> but I'm adorable. So yes, you are, absolutely. Um, but seriously, I, I do remember the 60s and I was on what was then called progressive or underground radio. Mm -hmm. And what you did back then was you took music and you created thematic sets. You played songs that had a common theme mm -hmm. or you used music to paint a picture or to say something to the audience. I'm thinking back to some of the anti-war songs that existed because you were protesting the Vietnam War, talking about racism. I mean, but you wouldn't just like play a couple of songs and then go to commercials. You would play some songs that had a similar theme. And Jim Ladd came from that era, as did Scott Muni, as did Your Humble Servant, mm -hmm. and various other folks. By the late 70s, radio had become very corporate. It was, in fact, album rock. You could only play certain tracks. But there was a period of time when you could pretty much play whatever song from an album you thought was appropriate to your theme. Mm -hmm. And Jim Ladd was masterful at that kind of radio. But you know what? Jim Ladd was also adaptive. He was mm -hmm. able to take whatever the format had turned into and make the most of it. So he was able to do that as well. And I respect that about him, okay? Yeah. So he took album rock to the next level. He was an excellent interviewer. He was able to get information out of people who in many cases didn't want to give it. <laughs> and he truly loved the music and he truly loved the medium. Yeah. So God rest Jim Ladd. Yeah. He really was. 
the last DJ from an era that no longer exists. Yeah, it's really sad when you think back about it. And you were you had front row seats to the disintegration of radio, as oh, yeah. as you said, as it became more corporate, as you get into the 1980s. That must have been heartbreaking. Well, well the for same you. thing about talk radio. Okay, yeah. when oh, yeah. I was growing up. Okay, first of all, it is a total myth that conservatives were not on talk radio. That is nonsense, okay? Mm -hmm. But what there was was the fairness doctrine, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, okay? Yeah, but yeah. because of the fairness doctrine, you had a conservative, and then you had a liberal. You had a conservative, and then you had a liberal. And a lot of stations that did talk had both. They mm -hmm. had conservative talk show hosts, they had liberal talk show hosts, and somehow the republic did not fall. Yep. Okay. And everybody's point of view got, you know, taken into account. And maybe people were hate listening to the liberal or hate listening to the conservative. But you also had a number of talk show hosts who tried to just stay centrist. Mm -hmm. They had views from both. Here in Boston, we had the late, great David Brudnoy. Okay. Yeah. Brudnoy was a righty, but he was a pro business righty. As far as anything else went, you could talk about anything on his show. There was no mm -hmm. shouting. There was no screaming. He had liberals on. He had conservatives on. Them days are over. Yeah. And once the fairness doctrine went away and the Rush Limbaugh's of the world got on the air with one-sided radio mm -hmm. and with demonizing and name-calling and insulting and stuff like that, it opened up the floodgates to what we have now. Mm -hmm. And in many, many cities, the only talk radio is ultra-conservative hard right. Mm -hmm. Now, Auntie Donna is fine about ultra-conservative hard right being on the air as long as there's something else. Of course. But in many other cities that she knows about, there isn't anything else. And, and it's as not, a result, people are getting a one-sided perspective right. on the issues, and that is terrible for our democracy. And by the way, don't don't hate email me because I would be saying the same thing if it was nothing but liberals, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't think having one-sided broadcasting is good for democracy. I think a wise and educated, cons you know, voter is the best kind of voter. And to have only one side, you've got people getting misrepresentations. That's yeah. what I worry about on social media, the same thing. That whole confirmation bias, people seeking out only those things that reinforce what they already believe. Mm -hmm. The thing I like about coming on your show, yeah, it's center left, fine. But we get into a bunch of different subjects. We have a bunch of different perspectives. Some things people are going to agree with, some things they're not. But you're giving people a chance to think. Yeah. And in many cities, that just isn't happening. Yeah, what a shame. What a shame. And uh, the utter lack of local programming on the radio, oh, yeah. combined with what you've been talking about here with the lopsided conservative shows, uh, that's it's just killing it. It's it's killing broadcast radio, and it's a shame oh, it because really it's something. And it's one of the last free things. To yeah. Less mm -hmm. investigative reporting. There yeah. is less investigative reporting because. A lot of cities just, they don't have the budget for it, yeah, okay? Yeah. So if I throw out to somebody, hey, how come Jared Kushner got 
billions from mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia. How come? Hmm, I wonder what there was about that. Uh, there's no one to investigate it. Yeah. At the national level, they pick certain stories, but they can't get into everything. And not I'm not just talking about political stories. I'm talking about in general. There is some incredible corruption in a number of cities, mm -hmm. okay? And including red states, thank you very much. So, I mean, you had a, a governor in a red state who turned down money for school lunches over the summer because, you know, we can't have people getting welfare. Oh, so starving children are good. I mean, how pro-life of you, sir? Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's have starving children. Why don't we? Yeah, yeah. So I, I just, yeah, but giving corporations welfare, giving them tax breaks, that's good. That's, mm -hmm. you know, we yeah. like that. Yeah. Years ago, somebody would have investigated that. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there are fewer and fewer local outlets that have the money to do it. So it becomes just a one-day story somewhere with no one to follow up on it. Mm -hmm. We talked about that earlier with regard to all the Trump scandals over and over and over. Sometimes there's just no local people who have the budget to investigate how this is affecting their market. Mm -hmm. And wouldn't it be nice if there were some more investigations? Yep, yep. Happy birthday, Donna, mm. Professor Halper. Hey, Professor, for not too much longer, I'm being fired. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, th these people need a good talking to, I think. Right. Whoever's running. I hope that your... somebody out there will see beyond the fact that I'm 77. Yeah. And yeah. look at all that I have to bring to the party. Absolutely. And I hope there is another opportunity for me out there because I ain't done yet. Yeah. There's things I want to do. Every day you got to find your mitzvah. Every day mm. you got to find the thing that will make the world better in some way. Yeah. I still want to do that. And I hope that I will have the chance to do it. Happy Valentine's Day to you, sir. Happy Valentine's Day. Your perspective is so important, Donna. And that's one of the reasons why you're here, in, in addition to being adorable. So I'm so glad you could make oh, it again today in the middle of your... Too birthday he celebration is. He is ladies he is. <laughs> tell so, people how they can find you on the internets donna your right, blog right. your twitter uh, the best thing they can do is just www.donnahalper.com or go. you can find me on uncle google um you can find me on just about all social media i'm on twitter i refuse to call it x uh <laughs> i'm on facebook i'm on instagram now and then i'm on threads now and then and i'm on some of the best podcasts when people want to have me for a guest and I'm deeply deeply grateful to be on yours I am a cancer oh. survivor now for nine years I am even on my worst day eternally grateful thank you for having me on I love you to bits and pieces oh, I love you so much we'll talk to you again next time for sure thank you I'm gonna turn the radio up real loud so I can drown out about every Make it disappear with one little song All I ever hear about is the madness in this world I can't keep all that darkness from my door I just need a good night's sleep But right now a little rhythm My brain is on relief 
Disappear with one little song 